Thank you so much for sticking with us for Take 10. We end each, each of our Caregiver SOS on-air programs with Take 10, featuring Dr. Jamie Heisman, nationally known therapist, expert on addictions and caregiving, and Carol Zernial, nationally known gerontologist and executive director of the WellMed Charitable Foundation. I'm Ron Aaron. Our topic for this Take 10 is a real upper, depression. Yeah, I'm so depressed. Depressed caregiver, depressed care recipient, depressed environment, the whole Megillah is depressed. Well, you know, in t- I love, I go to meetings and they talk about the dyad. Uh, and the dyad is there's a relationship. You've got the caregiver and the care recipient, um, and they are going through life together and affecting each other. Um, and depression, we often think, is for one person, not the other. But depression can be a big a game changer if it's affecting one or, or the other or both. And it, so there's, it's not exclusive to just the care recipient or the caregiver. It can actually be both of them. So no, what, absolutely. So, so what happens when depression has entered our world, our, our dyad? Well, Cal, you, you first put your finger right on it that you have to figure out what is depression. I mean, there's normal ups and downs of life. And people feel sad, and there's the blues, obviously, and uh, and depression always makes it hard to to function. So, so what is depression? You know, depression is natural if you're in a situation that's, you know, getting you down. You're in a had grief, had loss. Um, but when depression really becomes a biochemical issue, and you talk about a a triad or, or three stools, we say depression can be measured in biological, psychological, and social terms. Because biologically, it can be genetically predisposed. And you have to understand that if you have this sadness, which is far beyond a normal reaction to life, and it's lasting for over two weeks or more, and you're feeling, you know, you don't have to feel only down. I mean, you can feel angry, aggressive, restless, empty, lifeless, and that's depression too. But there's, there's very succinct criteria of when to visit a psychiatrist or your physician to get a psychopharmacological assessment and an assessment whether this is chemical depression. So depression, you know, while, you know, it sounds like, oh, that's not a real psychological problem. I hear that. Oh, it's just depression. But depression, it does things to you physiologically. It's bad for you. It's like it's bad for your immune system, for one thing. Well, it's gasoline on fire. It really is. And I think more and more our healthcare system and obviously healthcare reform is starting to see this as a prime exacerbator of quality and, and basically of outcomes. And we have for years and years as a, a medical industry separated the medical and the psychological. Well, we can't do it any longer because just like you said, it affects heart, it affects kidneys, it affects the liver, it affects our entire sort of being. So when the two come together, I mean, you do have a combustible state. So how would we know, what would be a way to know that someone was depressed if we're looking in from the outside? Well, there's several ways to do that. I mean, they're pretty obvious, but when you put them together in the aggregate, you you know for sure. Like somebody who can't sleep at all or somebody who's actually sleeping too much or like previous, previous tasks that you've done become difficult and laborious or somebody has a feeling of helplessness or... A hopelessness, if you will. Often you can see irritable people, sometimes short-tempered and aggressive. And and the, and the big one, which we always see way too much, is an increase, let's say, in self-medication in terms of alcohol, in terms of drugs, in terms of gambling, or in terms of excessive behavior externally that's trying to affect 
somebody internally. Yeah, well, and people, you were talking about alcohol. A lot of people don't realize that if you're depressed and you drink alcohol, that alcohol itself is a depressant. It is. Leading to more depression a, and making things worse, not better. It's such a short-term answer for, for something, and, and you're right, it has a total boomerang effect because after you stop or after you, you, you come down or sleep, the next day you're depressed as hell and you feel helpless and you feel shame and you feel you know, guilt and and so all of these are, are just something to take you deeper and deeper. Well, share with us. We hear that uh, men, especially 65 and over, increasing number of alcoholics, many care recipients are alcoholics. How do they get a hold of the alcohol? Well, it's really not as difficult as you think, especially alcohol. I mean, alcohol is, is the most plentiful drug that we could possibly find. Normally, alcohol run has really been part of a culture of a family for a long period of time, and the family system, the roles of the family, have protected it through denial. They've accepted mom or dad drinking, or the kids, since it is a, a genetically predisposed condition, the American Medical Association say it's chronic and terminal, and it does have genetic links. Sometimes the whole family is engaged and involved. So you'll see you know, residential facilities, assisted living, skilled nursing, not shying away from using alcohol as, as social events, um, and, and so we've kind of given it a free pass until the person is really falling down and, and on their knees or, or medically found out or suicidal or find themselves into an ER, and then we seek to do something. Um, it's not, you know, alcohol, that, that, that's pretty much a cultural thing. The one thing I'm really concerned with, too, on top of that is the fact that the, the pain medications and the benzodiazepines that are being prescribed are also being given to depressed people and, and people that, really could use a, a, a pickup in, in very much an alternative holistic way. So if, if, if you suspect somebody is, is depressed, if you, you know, if, whether it's the caregiver or the care recipient. Let's or both. Say, or both. Well, let's, let's first talk about, let's talk about the care recipient. What if you have a care recipient who has Alzheimer's and, they, and you know they're depressed as well? What options do you have? I mean, can you talk to a therapist if you've got Alzheimer's? Well, cognitively, you've got to, I mean, you have to ascertain, obviously, if they're able to hear your message or hear the family system. I mean, as you know, and you've, you've taught me often through, through your, your words, is that, you know, you can't marginalize somebody and put them in the background and do things if they're cognitively able to handle it. So let's say if they're not, um, certainly your neurologist or primary care physician should be made aware. You should be making a list, uh, a very much clear, observable behavior list to give that person so they either prescribe and again, or they, you know, in some cases even mandate um, a medication, an SSRI or SNRI, which are uh, antidepressants. Um, but obviously, if the person can, um, you know, make their own decisions, and that goes for a caregiver or a care receiver, loved ones around them need to just talk to them. They also need to find peers, if you will, like a support group who can say, "Look, I've been there." I mean, depression today is more treatable than it's ever been. We have really found a lot of ways to deal with depression. It's the shame and stigma we have a difficult time with. Well, would you recommend if, if like if you're, let's say, a caregiver and you're suffering from depression, do you ever talk to people about getting exercise, uh, increasing their activity as maybe a first step to see if it might help elevate their mood? I know I know, running makes me feel better. Yes. Well, it doesn't have to be running. It doesn't have to be running. Yeah, at what stage of depression they're at. Certainly, if you start seeing they have what we call the molly grubs or the blues, and, and they're not what so What was that, deep. the molly grubs? Yeah, that's something our family used to call it. Um, then, then obviously, then maybe a running or exercise or something will show noticeable differences, and they, they may jump on it and they may see that. We know uh, chemically the endorphins will kick in, and it's a wonderful way. 
if somebody's much deeper into depression, then they have pretty much low self-esteem. They don't think they deserve to get better. They they feel, you know, like they're worthless and, and hopeless. It's much more tough to get them engaged in, in an exercise event because it's kind of like a self-fulfilling prophecy. So, again, you're back again to the primary provider, geriatric care manager, a peer, somebody who can do a, a loving intervention. Let me remind, remind folks, if you've just joined us, you're listening to Caregiver SOS on air. This is our Take 10 segment with Dr. Jamie Heisman and Carol Zerniel. I'm Ron Aaron. Jamie, we've got about a minute and a half left. Uh, if you're in a situation where, as Carol was uh, suggesting, the care recipient uh, is depressed, uh, with or without dementia, uh, is it important to get them help or just let it drag on? Oh, no. Yeah, dragging on, it becomes a family systems issue. And, and most importantly, we all know that the greatest determinant for suicide is depression. Um, there's nobody who, who actually commits suicide that you can ever, ever talk about or look at a history about that didn't uh, have depression or it wasn't tackled. So definitely you can't do uh, nothing. You have to do something. Cool. That's the end result. Well, and a lot of people may not realize that one of the highest suicide rates really is older men have the, some of the highest rates in any population. Absolutely, absolutely, and I want to leave people with a more hopeful thought, and you're spot on with that, and it's a scary statistic, but, you know, depression is treatable. It's not anything like years ago when that dunk the drunk or, you know, you you have voodoo and (laughs) chicken bones all around you um, to get well. This is a medical issue. It's biochemical, just like diabetes. It's extraordinarily treatable, and we've come a long way psychopharmacologically, so please, whatever you do, know the prognosis is good. You don't have to struggle with the molly grubs. Yeah, right. no molly grubs. So depression is treatable. Talk to somebody. It's important. Out of time. Get help. I like yeah. that. Yeah. Dr. Jamie Heisman, Carol Zerniel, thank you very much. You've been listening to Take 10, part of the Caregiver SOS On Air program. We come to you every week, 6 o'clock on Sunday afternoons on 930 AM. The Answer. We'll talk with you soon.